This episode of The Enhancement Talent is brought to you by the ghost of Scott Norton. You have no business being in the ring anymore, Scott, but we'll never tell that to your face. Like all great professions, the art of professional wrestling has been handed down through families for generations. Numerous clans have passed on their legacies from grandparent to parent to child. But which families have left the biggest impact on the business? In this episode of The Enhancement Talent, we'll attempt to uncover that answer. Join us as we unveil our top 10 wrestling families of all time. All right. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How are you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Doing all right. Doing all right. How's your week? It's okay. How about you? Uh, doing all right. It was uneventful. Uh, I know we were supposed to go to... Uh, the Windy City Riot Show, but unfortunately, my beautiful girlfriend, Kim, she got sick, and I had to kind of hold back and take care of her, so I was unable to attend, but you went. We'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, but before that, let's introduce out in beautiful Cary, Illinois, the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolovic. How you doing tonight, Adam? Doing good. Feel uh, triumphant. I, I won an important match in my home tonight against the dryer. And I came out on top. There are a lot of near falls, though. We yeah. almost got disqualified <laughs> for excessive violence. Nice. the The dryer was using its creative, uh, creative control clause. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Didn't want to. Wanted to book itself as top dog, and I just no, I wasn't having any of it. Yeah, didn't work for you, brother. Didn't work, didn't work for me, brother. <laughs> I just listened to one of those podcasts, uh, one of those inferior podcasts where <laughs> they're yeah. talking about that. It always mm-hmm. makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, another kind of slowish week when it comes to wrestling news this week. Um, but before we get into that, like I said, um, I was supposed to go to the to the Windy City Riot Show, which is the New Japan uh, American tour that they got going on, uh, but I was not able to attend. Bob, I was supposed to go with you and your brother, but I was didn't go, but you guys went instead, and how about we have a little rundown of the show? How how was the show? It was good. It was a good, uh, good time. Um, they, it was in the Odium, in Villa Park, uh, which is a small venue. Uh, you and I were there before for the Ring of Honor show and for the ECW shows in the past. But so it's it's a small venue. They kind of cut it in half. Um, so it's very, I think it was sold out at 2,000 people max. Um, very eventful with the matches. Um, a couple, you know, matches here and there. So a lot of guys I did not really know or was not really accustomed with. Um, but they had a couple decent matches. They had a six-man tag match. Um it was Brody King and Finn Juice, which is David Finley, 
and Fit Finley's kid, and uh, Juice Robinson versus uh, Jonah. He was Bronson Reed in NXT recently, and they had uh, Shane Haste. He was in the Mighty Don't Kneel tag team in NXT, and some guy called uh, Bad Dude Tito, which I'd never heard about, but that was a pretty good good match. It was your typical hardcore Chicago street fight match, um, which uh, if you watch it, uh, I did come out on TV because they decided to wrestle night right next to us, so I was nice. there. I wave like this. <laughs> um, they had a twelve man match was the United Empire, which is Will Osprey's group, uh, which incorporated Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb against the Bullet Club, which had Anderson and Gallows, and for some reason Scott Norton was there. Um, <laughs> Scott Norton wow. Does not belong in the ring. Um, he struggled just to do a couple kicks. Um, they had this really fun spot where it was just like, uh, everyone was doing a, the dreaded Hogan back rake, uh, to, to one wrestler. So like all six wrestlers did different variations of a back rake, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, But like I said, Scott Norton didn't belong in there. Um, Eugene Nagata wrestled, uh, filthy Tom Waller, who used to be the UFC fighter. Uh, so that was an eventful match. Um, Fred Rosser is, was there. He was in one of the matches. Fred Rosser, he used to be Darren Young in the the primetime players. If you remember him with Titus O'Neil, they yeah, were awesome. yeah, yeah. champs. But then uh, you got to uh, the main three matches. It was uh, Jay White had an open challenge, which had the returning uh, Shuda Otami. He came back. Um, Jay White pretty much kicked his ass the entire match. Everyone was excited when Otami came back. But... Um, we had Tomohiro Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki. Uh, if you guys saw the match that um, Suzuki and Samoa Joe had, uh, if you remember all the slaps that they were doing, you put this together with the slaps, but now you had headbutts and punches and elbows. And again, wow, um, good old JR would have called it an amazing slobber knocker. Um, because that's exactly what it was. It was just like, holy shit. And then the main event was um, John Moxley versus Will Ospreay. And Will Ospreay is one of my favorite wrestlers um, now. He's just so crisp and so much fun to watch. They had a weird finish to the match where, um, you know, the ref counted the three, even though Ospreay got his shoulder up. Uh, so it kind of confused the shit out of the crowd, even Moxley, because Moxley went into another move afterwards, like a choke, and then the ref was already calling for the finish, even though it wasn't a finish. And then they showed the review, and he got his shoulder up, and it was just a weird finish to the match. We're probably going to go with it to a different, uh, like, um, continue on with the feud or have another match sometime forward. But it was just really weird the way that that ended. Um <clears throat> And then after Ishii also beat Suzuki, Eddie Kingston made an appearance. He came out and he challenged uh, Tomohiro Ishii in Washington. So um, definitely good times. Look forward to it. John Moxley at the end called out uh, Tanahashi for the Washington show, which is their next show. So um, things look promising for New Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like New Japan is bouncing back a bit. You know, they from what I've been reading, because I, I haven't really been – up to date on New Japan for a while. Um, I used to have the uh, New Japan World subscription, but it lapsed and I haven't re uh, re-upped it. But um, from what I've heard, New Japan has kind of been on a on kind of a lean time, especially during the pandemic. Um, but it sounds now that since things are opening up, 
things are starting to get a little bit hotter and uh, New Japan is starting to get a little bit more on the uptick, which is good. Um, but speaking of New Japan, uh, that brings us into our next um, bit of business here as far as the news goes. Um, it was rumored that, or it is rumored, that uh, tomorrow night on Dynamite, we're, we're taping this our show on Tuesday night, tomorrow night's Dynamite, and it's been announced that Tony Khan is going to have a huge announcement. And it's been rumored online that that huge announcement will indeed be a and New Japan AEW Super Show that is going to be held here in Chicago. Um, there, I want to think. I think they said like the second or third week of June, and the rumor is is that they're going to be booking the United Center for it. Uh, all just if that happens, that's just huge news. Um, and you know, got guys like CM Punk out there who've kind of been, you know, teasing things a bit. He he called out Okada early in the year um, with a tweet. He gave him the uh, the coordinates to the United Center for a match uh, that he wants to have with him. Uh, God damn! If Punk versus Okada is going to be the headliner for that show, geez, that thing's going to sell out in like three seconds. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is all rumor at this point. Like I said. It's um hasn't hasn't been announced yet, but there is a lot of talk around this, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is the truth because there's a lot of connections now between AEW and New Japan. Like I said, the the talent kind of works on each other's shows. Uh, New Japan World, which is their streaming service, is starting to stream uh, Dynamite and Rampage on their their streaming service for Japan audiences. Um, yeah, so it looks like New Japan and AEW have a really healthy work relationship. So having a super show between the two companies, uh, is definitely not out of the realm of possibility and would be a huge thing for, um, for us as wrestling fans, especially if they have it here in Chicago. Um, Bob, when you heard the rumor of the, the New Japan AEW super show, what was your reaction? Just wow. Um, you know, you, it's very hard to get two promotions, especially big like that to come together and put a show together. I mean, before, uh, you used to think AEW and ring of honor possibly, but then they went out and purchased ring of honor. Um, I mean, they could still kind of do a super show with the the stars together with that. But when you got new Japan, the Will Ospreys, the Okada's, you know, the, the Suzuki's, the, uh, Jeff Cobb's, um, you know, uh, Kota Ibushi, you got all those guys out there and just uh, Shingo Tommy. Um, you know, it's just in the matches you could put together, like you said, with Punk. I mean, it'd be amazing if, if Kenny Omega was healthy at that time. Uh, Adam Cole, Hangman Page, like just the matches you could get together with some of these people. Just wow. It's just because uh, you just mentioned like a lot of the teasers. FTR. Uh, was saying how they're still the best wrestling tag team in the world. And um, Jeff Cobb, who's tag team champions with Great Khan for New Japan, says, well, you haven't faced us yet. You know, that, that just that tweet just came out recently as well. So it's just like, oh, you know, more teasers. Mm. Um, so it's just like, that's great. And then I don't know if you saw today the, the rumored headlines that uh, the WWE is interested in bringing FTR back, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so, I that too. Yeah, so it's just, wow. Wrestling is well, great. Yeah, it is great. But according to that, uh, AEW still holds a, 
an option the here option, for, yeah. yeah, so they can exercise that option and FTR will still be with them for another year. Yeah. But after that, yeah, AEW, like the rest of them, they, if they want them to come back, they're going to have to pony up that dough. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Adam, how about you? When you heard about this rumored uh, New Japan AEW show, what was your reaction? Yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds awesome. Um, all those teasers you, you just mentioned on top of, um, you know, all the stuff that's uh, being rumored. It sounds like an awesome show. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Yeah, two promotions working together like that. Uh, show Bob went to sounds like a lot of fun, and this would this would up the ante even more. Um, Scott Norton is there. Oh my God! Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. He's sixty, and I actually thought he was older. So, um, Feels bad. but apparently mm-hmm. he wrestles like he's eighty uh, from from what I hear here. But uh, being but generous, aside, uh, <laughs> what? But re- all that aside, uh, you know, yeah, seeing CM CM Punk and Okada that that sounds amazing, and 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 FTR being involved, and yeah, just. Uh, and it's it's again I, I use this all the time, but I can't help it. You know, back in the day when I'd look at wrestling magazines, uh, Killing Time, while my parents were shopping, and they put those dream cards on the cover, you know, WWF versus WCW or or something like that, or you know, they would make up fantasy cards, you know, interpromotional fantasy cards, and you know, so the fact that we're actually getting to see those and they're not just written by somebody that they can actually come to fruition is, is just a really awesome thing to think about. And again, uh, it is, it's a great time to be a fan because there's, there's viable alternatives. Uh, WWE isn't, isn't your bag. There's uh, all these promotions working together and all, all these different alternatives. And it's, it's just great for us fans. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I said, tomorrow night, Tony Khan is going to make some big decision some big announcement uh if it is indeed the super show uh that would be great i mean if it is if he is aiming for june he's gonna have to make that announcement pretty fucking soon because we're already at the end of april so yeah we'll see what happens you know the bulls and hawks won't be playing in the united center there'll be plenty of dates yeah, that that that's that time of year is usually pretty open at the United Center. So, sadly, uh, sadly years ago, no, but uh, no, no, yes, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. It's, it, you know, there's still those rumors that Tony Khan's gonna be announcing a streaming service. You know, whether it's a partnership with HBO Max or what, those rumors are still out there. But we'll see. And we will react to that next week when it is official. But for now, we can just just picture and imagine what it will be. All right. Well, let's get into the task at hand, gentlemen. Let's get into the show proper. For the last uh, month plus, we've been doing our tournament shows here. Um, and we haven't done a classic top 10 countdown show in a while, but let's get back to it, man. Let's get back to our, our bread and butter here, the top 10 countdowns. And we decided uh, last week um, after we finished our women's countdown that we were going to do a topic that we have not done yet. Bob, this was your 
your um, suggestion. It was a great suggestion. We're going to do our top 10 wrestling families of all time. Um, you know, professional wrestling in and of itself has a lot of uh, families that have multi-generations of, of uh, wrestlers go through the ranks. Um, I think a lot of the time, you know, with wrestling being kind of like the the backstage, you know, carny, kayfabe thing that it was, a lot of people kept wrestling in the family to kind of keep the code uh, secret back in the day. And, you know, if your dad was a wrestler, then you would be a wrestler. Or if your cousin was a wrestler, you would be a wrestler. And there's a lot of families out there like that that um, just have that multi-generational, um, you know, lineage when it comes to wrestling. Um, and, you know, doing the research that we that I did for this show, I was just like, damn, there's a lot of wrestlers. Even if I didn't know that they were part of this and this lineage, there's some kind of connection there. Like, I, I keep on forgetting that Roddy Piper is loosely related with the Hart family and, you know, stuff like that. It's all it's all just weird how, how it all works out. But, yeah, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take these families, these multi-generational links of professional wrestling, and we're going to rank them to see who is the top wrestling family of all time. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. When um, you start researching the the families of professional wrestling, what kind of jumped out at you? Like you said, um, I mean, some of those families, they just stick out immediately when you think of professional wrestling. Um, you know, the the Hart family, the Anoya family, you know, families like that, that just have a huge lineage that go way, way, way back. The Von Erich family, um, you know, we're talking about dads and, and brothers and cousins that have all been in, in wrestling families. And some of them stick out because they, they created a legacy in the wrestling business, whereas unfortunately some of them, you know, stick out because they don't, like you said, your, your dad was a wrestler, but that doesn't mean you're going to become an amazing wrestler. Um, Arn Anderson and his kid, you know, uh, Arn Anderson's one of the best. And then you see Brock and you're like, Hmm, (laughs) (laughs) Ray Mysterio and Dominic, uh, you see Dominic and it's just like, I I see Dominic on my TV and I turn the channel, you know, Ray Mysterio, I see him on the TV and I want to watch, you know, it's just like, Sometimes, unfortunately, the apple flies a lot farther, but there's so many families here, too, that just the lineage and uh, so much success between brothers or, you know, some some sisters and stuff like that, that just continues to trickle on and, and, you know, makes a big big part of wrestling history because of these families that are involved. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What what do you got to say when it comes to wrestling families? It was really interesting uh, to do all the research and and uh, come up with these lists. Uh, you know, I just usually brainstormed at first, then I kind of um, did some research on all of them to kind of figure out what my rankings were going to be. Uh, the two major components I was looking at, uh, or that stood out to me anyway, was as Bob already said, lineage. Um, you know, some some of these families go back, you know, multiple decades, multiple generations, and uh, that that was impressive to me, and also um, you know as always with me uh, you know what what uh, kind of success these families had titles they've won and um, and all that um, the dynamics were just very interesting and um, when we, when we get to this family I'll 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 reveal it but but 
just doing the lineage on one of them gave me a headache. I had to, <laughs> I had to stop and and go take my dog for a walk and come back and finish because I'm like, wow, it's uh, so. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it. I guess you did till you truly think about it. Yeah, there's there's a lot more families uh, than I than I immediately jotted down. I I did some more searching and I'm. Um, yeah, it's a big part of the history of, of the sport um, because, as you mentioned, Tony, uh, you know, a lot of families just followed suit. It's like any any other profession. Sometimes you follow the family business. You know, my father worked in television. I work in television, you know, mm-hmm. and it's the same with the wrestling game. You grow up around it, and, um, yeah, sometimes it just goes goes on and on. So it was, it was a really interesting topic to get into. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into our list. Uh, yeah, this is a top 10 list. So what we do is Adam, Bob, and myself, we each compile our own top 10 lists with five uh, honorable mentions. And we put those lists together and we uh, compile them based on where we place them in our order. They're assigned a point value. And based on that point value, they're put on a master list in descending order. Um, and like I said, we'll go from one from 10 to one, but before we get to our number one pick, we will do our five honorable mentions. Those are picks that didn't get enough points to make uh, the top 10, but they did get enough points to at least garner a mention. All right. Well, let's start off the countdown guys here in our top 10 wrestling families. Starting out at number 10, number 10 comes in with five points and they got the five points from being number seven on my list. And Adam, you had them at number 10 on your list. It is the Orton family, the Orton family coming in at number 10 with five points. Um, I'll start off, you know, the Orton family coming out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, You start off with. Bob Orton Sr., who was a wrestler back in the NWA days in the territories, very accomplished wrestler in his own right. Um, He has a son, Bob Orton Jr., known as the Ace. He, uh, you know, coming, he comes up in the, uh, in the 70s and the 80s. He is famously part of the first couple of WrestleManias. He was, uh, Part of the main event of the first WrestleMania, he was in the corner of Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper as they went up against um, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. And known for, you know, having the cast on his arm and everything, Cowboy Bob Orton, one of the best heels of all time. And his son, which would make a third generation Orton in the business, is, of course, Randy Orton, who's a currently in WWE has been is now like a 20 year almost veteran multiple time WWE champion certain hall of famer uh down the road he's had a remarkable career in WWE himself um yeah that Orton family is very impressive when you look at it you know just having the grandfather the father and the son all in there just and each one just each each one of them, it's not like, you know, Bob Orton Sr. was a jobber or, you know, Bob Orton Jr. Bob Orton Jr. kind of was 
a little bit of a jabber, <laughs> but um, you know, he he definitely made his mark in um in the territories when when he was there. Uh, but I think you know definitely Randy has uh has eclipsed all three of them as far as popularity and achievements. Um, so yeah, just having that those three generations speaks a lot for the Orton family. That's why I had them number seven on my list. Uh, Adam, you had the Ortons at number ten on your list. What do you have to say about them? Yeah, um, yeah, you, you kind of broke it down, but uh, yeah, Bob Senior um, worked a lot of the territories in the AWA, NWA, won some titles there. Uh, Bob Junior, I'm gonna dispute the jobber thing a little bit because you mentioned, as you mentioned, he uh, he, he wrestled at uh, a little bit of jobber. I said. He, not, he was in the quite. main event at WrestleMania 1, but I also want to point out that he was a UWF champion in between hookers and cocaine and Herb Abrams. Yeah. Don't forget oh, I'm sorry. That. Yeah, the UWF, I'm sorry. How, I saw how, that. How, how I can I miss resist. that? I couldn't resist. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, the AWF, another one I remember. I won the title there, too. Um, you know, but he also had some title runs in the Mid-South and NWA yeah. Um, territories. He also uh, had a brother, Barry, and they tagged together mm-hmm. um, in the territories, won a few titles. And uh, looking him up, too, uh, he seems to still work a show here and there at the age of 71. So Yeah, Bob, Bob still gets out there. So, you know, Bob versus Scott Orton. The Norton, I mean, uh, might be a might be a marquee matchup somewhere. Um, <laughs> but as you mentioned, Tony, uh, Randy Orton is, is the, uh, the jewel of the family in terms of achievements, 10 time, uh, WWE champion, four time world heavyweight champion. He's, he's helped every belt there is. Um, you know, when Randy started out, you know, obviously I knew, uh, he was Bob's father. And, and again, to your point, you know, Bob was kind of, you know, wasn't the biggest main eventer. So I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, what's he going to do? You know, kind of thing. But man, the guy just took the ball and ran with it. And again, um, he's still one of the most consistent performers WWE has out there. As far as I'm concerned, he just, he just gets it. He, you can tell he's a student of the game. Um, he comes from that lineage and that background and it's to the WWE's advantage. They've had him for 20 years, just you know, he's had his face runs, but mostly he's been an awesome heel. Um, the RKO is a badass move. Uh, so, yeah, that's a strong way to start out the show with uh, with three uh, three uh, pretty decent competitors uh, in their era, uh, but Randy being the brightest, of course. Yeah. How about you, Bob? They, the Orton's didn't make your list, but you want to add anything to it? Yeah, they just missed a cut on mine. Um, like you said, Bob Orton Jr. was that ultimate lackey. Uh, he was really great at that position. Even when Randy Orton started, you know, he was still affiliated with him uh, being in his corner. Um, so he, he was great at that. I always loved him with the cast when he would come out and interfere with the cast. But uh, like Adam said perfectly, uh, Randy's a shining star, the one that stands out, the, the one that's always going to be known when you think of that family. Um, and then, yeah, I remembered uh, good old cousin Barry, uh, Barry O. Um, you know, he... <laughs> He, uh, he was the jobber of the family. So, um, yeah, they missed my list, uh, but just by a short period of month. All right. Well, there we go. Number 10 on our list of wrestling families. It is the Orton family coming in with five points. All right, let's get to number nine on our list. Number nine comes in with eight points, and they got the eight points from being number three on Bob's list. 
It is the McMahon family. The McMahon family coming in at number nine with eight points. Bob, you had a, the McMahons at number three, so I'll start with you. What do you got to say about the McMahons? The, the reason I put them on is just because of the lineage that they have, too. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Jess McMahon was the one who started it all. He was uh, the founder of Capital Wrestling Corporation. Um, you know, he was a matchmaker and promoter for wrestling in the garden for over 20 years. And um, eventually, his Capital Wrestling Promotion Corporation was taken over by Vince Sr. And Vince Sr. pretty much changed the name and changed it from Capital Wrestling Corporation to Worldwide Wrestling Federation where he dominated wrestling uh, from, like, the 50s and the 60s. You know, obviously at that time it was still in territory days. Uh, but wrestling in Baltimore, New Jersey, New York, um, you know, that that was all the area ran by him. And then eventually in 1982 he sold the company to his son, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh, Vince Jr., who ended up changing the Worldwide Wrestling Federation to the WWF. And Vince just monopolized the whole wrestling system. You know, he he went and stole all the big names from the territories, the Hulk Hogan's, the Junkyard Dogs, and, you know, pretty much made what wrestling is today. You know, he, he introduced uh, the Royal Rumbles, the WrestleManias, uh, and created the WWF to be pretty much the, you know, the greatest promotion running through wrestling history because of that. Um, anyone that would at that time step up to him, you know, Vince would go out and buy ECW, buy WCW. Um, just one of the most influential people in wrestling history when it comes to promoting and running a company. And, um, you know, he was also ECW World Heavyweight Champion, if you remember that. He, he won, <laughs> he won uh, the 1999 Royal Rumble, and he was also uh, WWE World Champion. Then you have, uh, he has two kids. You got Shane. Um, Shane McMahon was also a, a promoter and he, uh, minority owner in the company, but he was also a wrestler who, if you think about Shane McMahon, you always think about the crazy, uh, stunts he would pull off in the matches, you know, the, the King of the Ring match with Kurt Angle, where he's throwing them through the glass or the, uh, the big fall off the, the stage with, uh, Steve Blackman, where he falls all the way down to the ground, the, uh, Hell in the Cell matches that he had, uh, Kevin Owens. So it's just like, um... Shane's just a big old glorified stuntman, as McFoley would call it. <laughs> um, here's your European champion, your hardcore champion, SmackDown tag champion. Uh, Shane was a big face in the Attitude Era. You know, he's just that annoying guy, but he uh, he was there. And um, then you got obviously Stephanie McMahon, who during one of the times was probably one of the best heels on the mic uh, when it came down to, to personas and, and wrestling. You know, she she can tear up the stage there. She's a chief brand officer in the WWE. She was a one-time women's champion. Um, and she's also married to some guy named Triple H who, uh, you know, we, we know how involved he was in the wrestling game. So to me, I mean, even though they aren't as big as the wrestlers, as you would call the Orton family that we just talked about, they still had a huge part in the wrestling game to me that I had to put them up high on the list just because of everything I just mentioned to you. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, I, I, when I was putting together my list, I didn't really think to include the McMahons because, you know, I was just the way I was thinking. I was just keeping it wrestling wise. They are wrestlers. Um, well, I know, I know they are wrestlers, but even in, even when they were in their primes, Shane and Stephanie were never really 
full-time wrestlers. They would, you know, wrestle every once in a while, you know, and Triple H, he's a McMahon by marriage, um, you know, and I, I just, of course, the McMahons are one of, if not the biggest family in the history of wrestling, you know, but if I was, I, I'm just I was like, well, if I was going to include the McMahons and then you can also include like the Crockett's in there and, you know, even though the Crockett's didn't wrestle, they still, <laughs> they still, <laughs> they were not hardcore European champion. I don't know. Da- David looked like he could take a, a few people, but, um, but David yeah, versus Gilbert. Yeah, it. there you go. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I have no problem with the, the McMahon's being on the list. You know, it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight on that. Uh, how about you, Em? What, what are your thoughts on the McMahon's? Yeah, I kind of was thinking along the same lines as Tony. Uh, I did, I did consider it, uh, especially with Triple H uh, being a part of it. Um, I, I did think about it, and I kind of uh, veered in the direction Tony did. Um, you know, Vern Gagne, of course, could have been on this list. Maybe he is I don't know, but I didn't. I didn't include them. Spoiler alert. No, no, I didn't Vern, include Vern Gagne. You just I damn Vern sure and, didn't. I, I, exactly. So I damn sure didn't include his son. <laughs> right. <laughs> So that's so that's kind of why I, I I opted not to, but I can I, I could certainly uh, see the validity of, of, of the argument. I'm just wondering why didn't anyone speak about Linda McMahon? <laughs> she You're was part of the family too. <laughs> you know, Bob was, Bob, was, Bob, Bob was talking about. Uh, Shane and uh, you know the crazy spots he would do in the ring. Shane Shane was the wrestler's wrestler of the family, uh, aside from Triple H by marriage. And uh, but he had his mother's mic skills, and uh, Stephanie had had Vince's. Um, just wanted to add that, but uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, the biggest name if if you're just talking about um, you know overall. Um, families and their contributions to the industry, but in terms of in-ring, um, yeah, I, I was kind of along the same lines as you. They were kind of part-time, and, and it sticks in my craw a little bit that they won a few of those titles too. <laughs> just that's yeah. just me. Although Vince winning when... the '99 Rumble was was a great moment. Yeah, it's kind of weird when you mention Linda. I'm thinking like, yeah, it's. It's kind of weird that both Linda and Stephanie had to make out with Eric Bischoff at, at certain points in their careers. Yeah, that's the, about that. where yeah. was where was uh, three minute warning for that? Yeah, no kidding. Well, they'll they'll be on the countdown uh, at some point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there we go. At number nine on our list with eight points, it is the McMahon family. All right. Let's get to number eight on our list. Number eight comes in also with eight points, but they got the tiebreaker because they appeared on all three of our lists. This particular family comes in with eight points, and they got it by being number nine on my list, and they were number eight on both Adam's list and Bob's list. It is the Wyndham slash Rotunda family coming in with eight points. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Break down the Wyndham slash Rotunda family for us. All right. Uh, Start us off with uh, the legendary Blackjack Mulligan, who uh, was a four-time United States champion, 
uh, tag team champion with Ric Flair in the NWA. Um, also, I uh, was in the Blackjacks with Jack Lance in the WWF as a tag team champion. Uh, so a very decorated competitor in the in the 70s. Um, his son Barry wound up uh, getting in the business. Uh, first off in Florida, won multiple titles in the Florida uh, territories. Uh, went on NWA, WCW. Won pretty much every title there was to win there, with the exception of the world championship. He did win the big gold belt, but not the actual WCW title, but still um, was a big dude, hell of a worker uh, in his prime. Uh, some great uh, successor uh, to his father. Uh, and then he also uh, had a career in the WWF, most notably um, as a tag team champion with his brother-in-law, Mike Rotunda, who a lot of people know as Erwin R. Scheister or VK Wall Street. But uh, he was simply Mike Rotunda when they teamed together and they won two tag championships in the WWF. Um, the U.S. Express. That's right. Yep. The U.S. Express. Uh, they had Real American first. Uh, as I mm-hmm. believe we've mentioned before, as their theme music. Um, oops on that one. Uh, letting that one go. Uh, <laughs> Mike went on to singles competition in both WCW, WWF. Uh, you know, I don't think he won any major titles, if I recall. But uh, he was a good hand. Uh, he was in the varsity club. He was IRS. Um, it was, he was a good worker in his own right. Uh, then there was Kendall Will, Wyndham, who won the tag belts with, with Barry, uh, his brother Barry, uh, the West Texas uh, Rednecks. Everyone remembers that uh, tremendous song. Uh, I'm sorry, looking at my notes now, yeah, Mike Rotunda was a three-time TV champion and also uh, he was a five-time tag champion WWE because he also teamed up with Ted DiBiase and Money Incorporated. They won three tag belts. Uh, my uh, Mike Rotunda's son, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. Of course, everybody knows about him. Um, three-time world champion. Uh, was a tag champion with Matt Hardy and Randy Orton. I'm sorry, with Matt Hardy, and then the second time with Randy Orton and Luke Harper using the infamous uh, Freebird rule. Uh, Bray, one of the most creative minds in WWE um, during his era. Of course, he was released last year inexplicably. Uh, I'm still waiting to see what his next move is, but made a huge mark um, in WWE. And uh, and then Barry's other... It's Barry or Mike's other son? It's Mike. Uh, it's Mike. Mike, thank you. Mike's son, uh, Bo Dallas, also was a competitor. Um, as NXT champ. And of course, a 24-7 champ and won the tag belts with Curtis Axel. So lots of history in the uh, NWA slash WWE. Lots of success. Lots of great workers. Um, and again, um, Barry and Mike, just great all-around wrestlers. And then Bray took it to the next level with uh, his creativity and, and then the, uh, the character aspect of things. So, um you know, in most lists, I think they'd be even higher with all that success, but there's, that's how many great wrestling families they are, but I was happy to put them at number eight. All right. How about you, Bob? You also had the Wyndham slash Rotunda family at number eight on your list. What do you have to say about them? Yeah, I agree with everything Adam said. I mean, he hit every point on the head. Um, you know, Grandpa Black Jack Mulligan was one of the best big men out there, you know, feuded with uh, Andre and Bruno San Martino and um, 
you know, just one of the best to do it, especially when it came to tag teams as well. And like you said, that that lineage there, I mean, Kendall was pretty good, but to have Barry Windham, who was one of the best wrestlers, you know, wrestler, wrestler, modern wrestler, uh, just one of my all-time favorites. And IRS was really good at what he did. He, he married uh, Kendall and Barry's sister. And like you said there, that, um, you know, his two kids, uh, the children they had with Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas was really good in NXT and FCW. You know, he was their champ for a while there, too. He was one of their main faces before they brought him up to the main roster and shit canned him like they always do with everybody else, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what they did with Bray Wyatt, too, when he first started, you know, the Husky Harris and everything like that. But yeah, he, uh, he went out and carved out the lineage for himself and he did really well and like Adam said, look forward to see what he does next. But that's a great wrestling family right there. Very much so, yeah. Just like I said, just does what a great wrestling family does, just multi generational. Like I said, you got Blackjack Mulligan doing in, doing it in the seventies, then Barry Windham and Rotunda do, teaming together, doing their part in the eighties, into the nineties, and now they're they're kids, uh, you know. Even though Bo Dallas is out of wrestling right now, and nobody knows what the hell's really going on with Bray Wyatt, they did make an impact when they were there. So just, yeah, multi generational impact players. That's what the Wyndham slash Rotunda family is, and that's why they come in at number eight on our list with eight points. To this day, when I see a superplex off the top rope, I call it a Barry Wyndham. I don't call it a superplex, <laughs> and I never will. No, Mm-mm. the Widowmaker. Friggin' right. That's right. What was he when he was uh, in the All Black getup? Was it, he was stalker. A, stalker. A stalker? That's right. And it's he had the... so stupid sometimes. <laughs> Great talent. Let's 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 make him uh, the next version of Skinner. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. Right. Oh uh, well. What are you gonna do? Yeah. All right, so podcast. Yeah, that's a totally another. Yeah, totally different podcast. All right, let's go on to our next pick here, guys. Let's go to number seven on our list. Number seven comes in with twelve and a half points, and they got the twelve and a half points from being an honorable mention on Bob's list. They were number six on Adam's list, and I have them at number four on my list. It is the Von Eric family coming in at number seven with 12 and a half points. Uh, the Von Erics, the uh, first family of Texas wrestling coming in here. You know, you had Fritz Von Eric um, coming in, the patriarch of the family. He was one of the top heels of, um, of the territory era back in the 50s. And then he decided to branch off and... Um, do his own thing, start a, start up his own promotion in uh, Dallas, in the Dallas area, uh, that eventually would become world-class, world-class championship wrestling. And they would do their shows in the Dallas Sportatorium, the world-famous Dallas Sportatorium. Anyone who was um, anyone. What's that? Anyone who was anyone. That's right. Anyone who was anyone wrestled in the Dallas Sportatorium, if you ask Steve Austin. That's right. Um, but, yeah, you know, Fritz von Erich would, he was the promoter there. He was a champ for a long time and he would, um, he would raise his sons to be, uh, the next generation of the von Erich family to kind of hold that company down and become the champions of the new generation, which is exactly 
kind of how it worked out until tragedy kind of reared its ugly head. Everybody kind of knows the the tragedy of the Von Erich family. Um, you know, Fritz had uh, was it was five sons, and all of them, save for Kevin, uh, met really untimely deaths. Uh, you had David Von Erich, who uh, who was the uh, quote unquote Yellow Rose of Texas. He was the the guy that uh, was positioned to be kind of the uh, the breakout guy. He was, um, you know, I've seen a few documentaries on the Von Erichs family, uh, and they were saying that David was really poised to be the new NWA world champion. He was, you know, he was poised to start a, a program with Ric Flair and ultimately was going to win the championship. But then he he did a tour of Japan and while he was in Japan, um, he would end up dying in his hotel room. The, the there's differing, there's differing, you know, things about how he died. Some people said it was drugs. Other people said that, uh, you know, his stomach ruptured due to some kind of injury. Um, nothing ever really concrete came out as to exactly why, David Von Erich died, but he did die at a very young age. Um, so next person on the list, you know, since David Von Erich, unfortunately, was not around, that new champion mantle was passed down to his, his brother, Kerry. Kerry Von Erich, probably the more hope, most high profile of the Von Erich sons, uh, built like, you know, a Greek god. He had the look. His but his demons just were too much for him. Um, Kerry very much got into drugs and alcohol. Famously had to have uh, his foot amputated after a, uh, what was it? A motorcycle crash. I think mm-hmm. um, no, I, I didn't know until after he died that he, he wrestled on a prosthetic foot, um, you know, but he, he eventually did uh, take David's place and ended up winning uh, a match against Ric Flair at the uh, David F- David Von Erich Memorial Show at Dallas Stadium. Uh, one of the probably one of the coolest mo- wrestling moments of the '80s was uh, that match in the middle of Dallas Stadium when Kerry got that pin. The the crowd just went nuts. Um, but it was short lived. Uh, David was not the champion for very long, but he did make a, a big impact in NWA, eventually going to WWF, becoming the Texas Tornado until, uh, unfortunately, like I said, his demons were a little bit too much for him. He ended up committing suicide. Um, there was Kevin Von Erich. Uh, Kevin Von Erich, the, the sole uh, surviving member of the Von Erich family. Um, great athlete. You know, he was usually in a tag in some kind of uh, tag team with with his brothers. Famously, would wrestle barefoot. Um, you know, just a really really great athlete. One probably one, the most uh, high flying of the uh, of the Von Erich brothers. Um, then there was there was Mike Von Erich. Uh, he was, you know, he wrestled, but he was never really you know on the peak of. Um, David or Carrie or Kevin, he um he eventually ended up uh he committed suicide as well, didn't he? He OD'd. Oh, he OD'd. Yeah, he took a fatal dose of tranquilizers. Yeah, so drugs got 
drugs got him. And then there was Chris Von Erich, the youngest of the Von Erich boys. Um, was never a wrestler. He just didn't have the body for it. Um, eventually, you know, he, he had his demons too, and he ended up killing himself as well. Just a very tragic, um, very tragic story when it comes to the Von Erich family. But they did make a huge impact in wrestling, especially in that 80s period when the Von Erich boys did hold sway in that Dallas territory. So, yeah, that's uh, the Von Erich family. Very, very famous, uh, very impactful, definitely have their their place on this list. Uh, Adam, you had the Von Erichs at number six on your list. What do you have to say about them? Uh, from my research, uh, Fritz uh, won the world-class title 20 times. So, yeah. um, Well, he was the Vergania of, of world-class. Or much, yeah. Jerry Lawler of uh, USWA or um, yeah. Carlos Colon. You know, uh, so that's not to take away from him, obviously. Um, you know, the impact that that, that family had, world-class wrestling uh, had on that territory uh, was undeniable. Uh, when I first started getting them to wrestling, um, a lot of talk about the Von Erics and and uh, and the brothers and what great athletes they were and how beloved they were. They had classic feuds, classic matches, of course, with the Freebirds. Uh, that that was just tremendous draws, and you know people still talk about it to this day. And we're you know we're thirty, almost forty years uh, since that that happened, and people are still remembering it fondly. Um, you ran down the history re- really well. Um, but yeah, I was always a huge fan of Carrie's. Uh, when he was, I didn't really know, uh, till I, you know, did more research of my own, but, uh, you know, cause of course Vince can't call him Carrie Von Eric, you know, he had to call him the Texas tornado, but eventually I think they relented and everyone knew it was Carrie Von Eric. So he started calling him that too. Um, uh, I was always impressed with his athleticism and, and his look. And he was, he was tailor-made for that era of the WWF. But as you said, you know, the, the the demons just got to him, unfortunately, as it did to a lot of people during that era. But it would have been interesting to see where he could have gone um, had he stayed healthy. And, yeah, beating Flair for the title, uh, uh, yeah, that's way up there uh, from wrestling events obviously in Texas, but in the 80s in general. Uh, I'd put that up there with Hogan beating the Iron Sheik for the first <laughs> time, or Sting winning his first title, you know, huge. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, so big impact. Uh, I originally had him a little higher, but because, as you mentioned, sadly, a lot of the brothers met their demise way too young. Um, they slipped down my list a bit, but still uh, one of the most famous, one of the most well-regarded wrestling families, and I'm so glad that Kevin has uh, has lived a nice long life, and uh, and uh, you know continues to be a survivor. And his, his kids, I believe, are uh, in the business yeah. too, Marshall and Ross. Uh, yeah, so his that's... yeah, his sons are in the business, and uh, Carrie's daughter actually uh, yeah. wrestled for a bit too. So yeah, so glad to see that uh, that the, the the legacy is continuing. Yeah. How about you, Bob? You had the Von Erics as an honorable mention. What do you got to say about them? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. I mean, I put them lower on the list just because of unfortunate tragedy. 
Um, you know, Kerry was the one that always stood out. You know, I, I always remember him, like you said, um, that, that match with uh, Ric Flair where he won the belt or when the Freebirds turned and they slammed the cage on his head. You know, I'll always remember that. Um, just that uh, that Freebird Von Erich feud that, you know, just it was state versus state. That's how big it was. You know, it's just like everyone was all about that. But uh, I remember him beating Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship, uh, you know, and watching that match and. Um, like you said, his, his daughter Lacey was a TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champ, and like you mentioned, now uh, Kevin's kids are, you know, they were MLW Tag Team Champions, uh, Ross and Marshall Von Erich. So they're they're still out there, and uh, you know, so like Adam said, it's great to see that the lineage continues to to move further on. But that was one of the only reasons I moved them further down, unfortunately, because of all the tragedy that struck. And I mean, like you said, they they ran the Texas territory, but. Uh, you know, it would have been great to just see them continue to expand and see how far further would have gone uh, if they all would have stayed healthy and, you know, not not have any tragedy in their lives. Yeah. Leaving still, at number seven, we have the Von Erich family coming in with 12 and a half points. All right, let's get to number six on our list. Number six comes in with 13 and a half points, and they got the 13 and a half points from being an honorable mention on my list. Bob came in with number six on on his list, and Adam had them at number three on his list. It is the Flair family coming in at number six with 13 and a half points. Adam, let's start with you. You had them in number three. Tell us about the Flair family. It's funny because, you know, of course, our last uh, episode we talked about uh, we did our women's tournament, and, you uh, you know, we talked a lot about Charlotte Flair and, uh, she wasn't the winner of our tournament, but she was the winner of the uh, the listener tournament. Yeah, the fan vote, yeah. The fan vote. And uh, I was thinking to myself, if it hadn't been for Charlotte Flair, I don't know where the Flair family would be on my list. But, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, you think of Rick, of course, uh, and all the gold. The man is one. He was the winner of both our uh, fan vote and our, our own tournament. Um, you know. All the WCW titles, NWA, 10 NWA titles, 7 WCW, 2 in WWE, multiple tag champion, six-time U.S. champion, uh, you know, one of the most decorated wrestlers of our time. Uh, and his daughter, Charlotte, comes along and uh, is, is, you know, I'm sorry, let me let me back it up a little bit. Uh, the next flair we saw in the ring was his son david um mm-hmm. and i that i see uh, bob <laughs> giggling and tony's giggling now too and uh bob was talking earlier in the show about sometimes the apple falls far from the tree and then unfortunately in david's case that's 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 hard to live up to uh <laughs> The only notable thing David Flair ever did was he actually got Stacy Keebler to get engaged with him. That was I'm, I'm, I'm the still, most notable thing he ever I'm did. I'm still digesting that one, yeah. And he looked legitimately scared also when, when Rick was about to go face Vader at Starcade 93. He looked scared <laughs> out of his mind. So good on David. Uh, you know, but, you know, again, I feel sorry for the guy in a way because, again, your father's the greatest wrestler of all time. I feel like, you know, how much Michael Jordan's kids feel, you know, Michael Jordan. I'm sorry, children out there. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. And, you know, you're his sons and, you know, you're expected to be as good and it doesn't always work out that way. So, uh, 
uh, David was part of some horrendous uh, booking with, uh, with uh, Vince Russo in charge. Um, he, he did probably because his last name was Flair won the U.S. title, won the WCW tag titles. I mean, no one's going to remember that except for people like me who look it up for a podcast. But again, um, that was that was one that was Rick's uh, children's first foray. Uh, his other son Reed uh, was was an amateur wrestler. Um, I have to believe he had tragedy not struck and he not died young that he probably would be in the business today. And he probably would have been more successful than David. Uh, but unfortunately, he died very young. And as a tribute, uh, Charlotte decided to become a, a wrestler. And here we are uh, in 2022. And we've got Charlotte as a 12-time Raw slash SmackDown champion, two-time NXT champion, the tag champ with, with Asuka. Um so again, we were talking about uh, you know, with the Ortons, uh, with you know, just doing the build that legacy, and it's just it's just paved with gold uh, between Charlotte and Rick, and they're both among the best at what they do and uh, in their eras. Uh, so based on that, that's why they they rank so high. Uh, anything David did was a cherry on on the top, I suppose, or nuts or sprinkles or something. All right. Well, how about you, Bob? You had the the flares at number six on your list. What do you have to say about him? Yeah, the only reason I moved him down so low was because, like Adam said, David Flair, even though I did know that David Flair was a tag team champion with Crowbar, with Daphne managing them. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I do take slight on that comment. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah, like I said, Ric Flair, greatest to ever do it. Um, Charlotte Flair, one of, you know, one of the best female wrestlers out there right now. But um, when you when you take David and, and you incorporate it into that, it kind of like t- gives you negative points with regards to that. And the white woman when Adam was talking about it, the first thing I thought it was the same thing. Michael Jordan. When you think of Marcus and Jeffrey Jordan, you're like, oh, poor guys, you know. Um, Reed was starting the wrestle. He was training out in all Japan, and you know he had a few matches here and there, and that's where he ended up uh, passing away was out when he was out there. But um, if you remember the documentary, you know, Triple H was saying that they were trying to groom him in NXT and they were giving him multiple chances and, you know, just because he was Flair's kid, but unfortunately he had, a his own, his own, um, demons that he had to battle. So that was the unfortunate part about it. But, um, Adam had everything else in the head, you know, two, two of the best wrestlers, son and daughter, it's just, you know, doesn't get any better than that. So the Flair family. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. The only reason I had the flares down as an honorable mention is I was trying to get families that had more than just two notable wrestlers. You know, David Flair doesn't count. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's champion. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was yes, he was the United States champion because champion. Rick gave him the belt. But you know, it was yeah, you know. True. Yeah, but bro, um, bro, he was a great champion. Bro. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. I'm I, I'm so sorry, bro. Yeah. I, I, what if I was the father of a baby, bro? Oh, <laughs> sorry. But you know, if if Reed hadn't you know tragically passed away and he ended up turning into something, the Flares probably would have gotten into my top ten. But we'll never know that, unfortunately. You know, Rick and Rick and Charlotte, too, the best to ever do it. But like I said, I was just kind of aiming more for families that had more than just, you know, two uh, 
really, you know, signature wrestlers in their family. So that's why I had them on an honorable mention, but they still made my list and they still made our top 10 at number six with 13 and a half points. It is the Flair family. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. All right. We are in the top five now, gentlemen, and at number five, coming in with 16 points. They got the 16 points from being number seven on Adam's list. They were number six on mine, and Bob, you had them at number four on your list. It is the Funk family coming in at number five with 16 points. Bob, you had him as, as, as number four on your list, so let's start out with you. Tell us about the Funk family. So the Funk family, obviously, uh, we know Terry. He sticks out the most, and you know Dory Jr., but Dory Sr. was obviously their father. Uh, Dory Sr. wrestled primarily in the Texas territories, uh, where he was 17-time NWA North American heavyweight champion. He was uh, eight-time NWA Southwest um, Junior Heavyweight Champion, three-time NWA uh, Western States Champion, and one-time NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion. Um, Dory Junior was, you know, just a fantastic wrestler. Uh, NWA World Champ. Um, he was the second longest reigning NWA champ. Um, and he also ran the, if you remember the, the Funkin Conservatory, which was like one of the big training camps that was out there, um, where he, um, he trained the Hardys, Christian, Kurt Angle, Lita, Mickey James, Edge. So it's because of a lot of those people that, you know, we still watch to this day. Dory Funk was the one who trained them and helped them become the amazing, uh, wrestlers that they are. And he was also, um, two-time uh, heavyweight champion in, in all Japan wrestling as well. And then um, here we got Terry Funk, the hardcore legend, the man that still does it all. There was an amazing picture of him and McFoley the other day that came out, which is a yeah, great I picture. Saw that. Yeah, but uh, the Funk brothers, the only brothers to ever hold the NWA World Heavyweight Champions. Uh, chip, you know, that that's just amazing because that was such a prestigious belt. Um, Terry was everywhere, all Japan, the WWE, WCW, um, ECW, FMW, USWA, anywhere you could think of. Terry Funk was there, the USWA, uh, two-time ECW heavyweight champion. He was the ECW TV champion, um, three-time WCW hardcore champion, one-time NWA champ I mentioned, and also the WWE tag uh, champion. So it's just like that that's a wonderful lineage when you go from top to bottom just because of uh, what they've had together. And, you know, the, the, the Funk Brothers will always be a, a group of uh, brothers just together that always stands out to me. But like you said, the dad's always the forgotten one, even though he started it all and he, he was a, a multi-time champ as well. So it's good to talk about him on the list. Yeah, I always look at pictures of the uh, of the Funk family, and it's like if there's any, I would say that if there's any one wrestling family that I certainly do not want to fuck with, <laughs> it's the Funk family. Mm-hmm. You know, Dor- Dory Senior, like you said, is just he's he's not as well known, but I think that's just because he wrestled so early on. Um, but like you said, he was a multi-time champion. He was a, he was one of the greats in his era. And then he has his two sons who go on to be greats in their era. Like you said, the only brothers to ever hold the NWA championship. Um, 
you know, Dory was a was a hell of a wrestler in, in and of himself. Dory Jr., that is. Uh, just a hell of a wrestler in of himself. NWA champion, multiple-time champion. And then, as you said, Terry, the 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 hardcore legend, the guy, uh, you know, just as he, he'll beat you in a technical match and then he'll go and have an exploding death match with you and beat you in that as well. It's just the Funk family is just, they've contributed so much to um, to wrestling. And the fact that, you know, Dory and Terry are both still around and still, you know, that's amazing to me. I mean, I know Terry is dealing with his issues right now and, you know, Dory's up there in age as well, but they're still alive and kicking and, you know, they're, they're wrestling royalty in my opinion. So yeah, definitely deserve to be on this list. Uh, Adam, what do you have to say about the funk family? You said it great there. Uh, wrestling royalty. I think about, uh, uh, I had forgotten about how many wrestlers Dory had, uh, trained uh, Bob mentioned a few minutes ago um but I mean you just go down the line I mean if if you follow any wrestlers on Twitter the amount of respect that wrestlers from you know we grew up watching to today's competitors they have you know no one has anything bad to say about Terry or Dory no no one uh because they're that respected they're that well regarded they've given so much to the business as you said um you know in a business where everybody shit talks each other all the time, that's that's amazing. Um, and as you both mentioned, just these guys have been everywhere competing, and they've won titles wherever: uh, Japan, here, uh, Puerto Rico, um, you know, and multiple federations. Um, uh, but again, uh, you know, the amount of titles they've won together. Um, Again, like I mentioned with the flares, just where they go is, is, is paved with gold, and um, you know they're just they're just tough SOBs, uh, <laughs> and and uh, some of the toughest, and and uh, yeah, they're they're living legends, and and uh, they deserve their spot in the top five. And personally, uh, yeah, I wouldn't screw with them either. And if Terry asked me to be at his first retirement uh, event, uh, he wouldn't have to beg me; I'd show right up. Yeah. So there we go. At number five in our countdown here of the greatest wrestling families of all time, it is the Funk family coming in with 16 points. All right, let's get to number four on our list. Number four comes in with 18 points, and they got the 18 points from being number seven on Bob's list. They were number five on Adam's list, and I had them at number three on my list. It is the Guerrero family coming in at number four with 18 points. All right. The Guerrero family, man, they, you know, of course, the patriarch of the Guerrero family was Gory Guerrero, one of the best luchadors of all time. We covered Gory in our top luchadors episode and, you know, Gory was a legend in and of himself, but then. You know, he ends up having a family. He and his wife end up having um, four boys, and all four boys would go on to become wrestlers themselves. You had Chavo, you had Mondo, and you had uh, Hector, all those guys coming in in the late 40s, early 50s. And then in comes in the late 60s, 
Little Eddie coming in as the fourth as the fourth Guerrero brother. You know, at I mean, you know, Eddie was an oops baby because he he was born in like what sixty was he sixty seven, which was like thirteen years after Hector was born. It was the last the la- the next youngest uh, Guerrero brother. So yeah, but hey, it worked out well because Eddie was Eddie is is and was one of the the best wrestlers of all time. Just every, every member of that family is fucking, you know, just wrestling another wrestling royalty, man. You know, the, the Guerrero family has worked in almost every single promotion you can think of from Mexico to Japan, Europe, here in the United States. You know, if there's a wrestling promotion out there, there's a chance that a Guerrero has worked in it at one point or another, you know, the, the three older, uh, Guerrero boys, uh, Chavo, Mondo, and um, and Hector. You know, I, I know they they would uh, work solo, but they would also work in uh, like three way tag teams with each other as well. Eddie would, uh, you know, since he was younger, Eddie he he worked with his brothers, but not he he mostly worked. Uh, you know, came on on his own since he was so much younger than his brothers. You know, as eventually making a name for himself um, in Mexico, and then. Uh, of course, in ECW and then in WCW before going to the WWE. Um, and then Chavo, the oldest, uh, you know, of the of the Guerrero boys, would end up having a son, Chavo Jr., who, he, who himself would become a professional wrestler in his own right. Um, yeah, that Guerrero family, they, they had their – a lot of roots in wrestling. They, you know, definitely had their impact – uh, starting from Gory on down, I not too many wrestling families had the impact that the Guerrero family had, and that's why I had to put them in my top three. I just thought that, you know, starting from starting from Gory, who was, you know, one of one of the legends of Mexican wrestling, and just having his sons, all of his sons, you know, just all of them making an impact. Right down to Eddie, the youngest one, who probably had the biggest impact out of all of them. You know, it's definitely um, a legacy that a lot of wrestling families don't don't get to. So that's why I had them in number three on on my list. Uh, let's go to let's see, a- Adam. You had the Guerreros at number five on your list. So let's go with you next. What do you have to say about the Guerrero family? I had mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Von Erics, um, about you know how well known they are, but you know they they kind of stuck to the to their territory. Um, you know, again, some of it was circumstantial due to uh, early deaths, but uh, as you mentioned, the Guerreros were everywhere. Um, they took their talents everywhere and and made an impact. So that's why I put them ahead, and and they made my top five. Um, you know, you, you kind of ran down the accomplishments already, but, you know, uh, uh, Gory was in EMLL wrestling um, and the uh, NWA in the, in the California territory. Um, you know, the Guerrero family did a lot of wrestling and won, winning a lot of titles in NWA uh, Hollywood, but uh, obviously the most... Uh, the two most successful were Eddie and Chavo, and uh, they got to tag together in WWE, which which was awesome. They won two tag titles together. Um, they won numerous titles there. I had to kind of shake my head. Uh, no, no disrespect to Chavo Jr., but he was a former ECW champion. I don't 
I'll put an asterisk there because I, I like to pretend the second version of ECW doesn't exist, <laughs> but um, but that doesn't take anything away from the talent. Um, again, those guys just they could all go in the ring, and again, we we're kind of talking about the Flair family, and sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't all work out for all family members, but this is this is one of the exceptions uh, to the rule here. The all, all the sons were involved and and had very successful careers. Um, but yeah, Eddie's definitely the most memorable, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he he died uh, at an early age too. And I would have would have been great to see uh, how much further he could have gone uh, had he lived. But uh, but yeah. Just uh, definitely, uh, I guess, doing the research, uh, I, I was unaware of all, I was aware of how successful the family was, but all the titles they won. Um, and that's why they made my top five. All right. Well, I, Bob, you had uh, the Guerreros at number seven on your list. What do you have to say about them? Yeah, you mentioned it really well. Um, you know, Gory was uh, the pioneer, especially with Lucha Libre early in the 40s and the 60s. Um, then you said, you know, Chavo Sr., who he, he made a resurgence in in, uh, in the WWE where he became the oldest cruiserweight champion that they ever had. Yes. Um, Did they the, call him Ch- they called him Chavo Classic, didn't they? Chavo Classic, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, I mean, but if you remember the feud he had with Roddy Piper, I mean, if you want to talk about some major heel, he, I know, Piper playing the, the Mexican National that. Anthem and playing La Cucaracha, that was because of Chavo Classic. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Then you mentioned Chavo Jr., his son. Uh, Mondo wrestled in Japan in the AWA. Uh, he was the head trainer for the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling uh, Company, so that, that was yeah. your main trainer there. Uh, Hector Guerrero, uh, we can't go without mentioning him as the gobbledygooker. Um, you know, he, he did that and he was also the TNA Spanish color commentator, um, you know, over there, but, um, Eddie Guerrero is one of my all time favorite wrestlers of all time. I just absolutely love him. And then his, uh, his daughter, um, Shaw also wrestled for FCW. She was Raquel Diaz where she was, uh, the, the FCW, uh, Divas champ, and she's also married to uh, Aiden English from the Vaudevillains, who was the guy that would come out and yell Rusev Day, if you remember him. So, I mean, there's uh, the, the legacy is still going on. She doesn't really wrestle anymore, and uh, I just saw Aiden English the other day. He was the one that did the commentary for the the New Japan Windy City Riot show that we were at uh, this past weekend. So, um, yeah, the the legacy still goes on, especially with, uh, you know, Chavo appearing recently and he was at ring of honor. So lots of love for the Guerrero family. Yeah. You know, it's kind of weird when it comes to glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, as you mentioned, Mondo was the, uh, you know, the trainer for glow. And then for the TV show, that Netflix show, Chavo, uh, Chavo was the wrestling coordinator for that yep. show. So two generations of, uh, of Guerrero's working with, with the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So there we go at number four on our list with 18 points. It is the Guerrero family. All right, let's get to number three on our list. We are now in the top three. Number three comes in with 19 points and they got the 19 points from being number five on my list. Also number five on Bob's list. And Adam, you had them at number four on your list. It is the Rhodes family coming in at number three with 19 points. Adam, 
you have them the highest on your list. So let's start with you. Tell us about the Rhodes family. Okay, come baby. Um, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, of course, the patriarch, uh, beloved uh, Hall of Famer, uh, three-time uh, NWA slash uh, WCW champion, uh, also U.S. champion, three-time TV champ, two-time tag champ, um, won a ton of championships in, in the Florida Territory. Um, just uh, As we've mentioned many times before, one of the most popular wrestlers, especially in the 80s, uh, always chasing Ric Flair for the title. Um, you know, had the gift of gab. Um, you had to entertain people. He was, you know, as is dubbed in the WWE, uh, he was, you know, was the common man. He was the kind of guy that the fans could get behind. Uh, so he he started a great legacy. Um, uh, his son Dustin came along, um, started. Uh, well, I think he worked in Florida, but also uh, started out in in WCW, um, where he's a two time US champ, uh, two time tag champ. One of those was, was with Ricky Steamboat. I'm, I can't remember who the second one was. I think Barry Windham. So two legends there. Um, you know, honed his craft. You know, again, sometimes you have the nepotism factor working against you, but uh, Dustin turned out to be a, a great wrestler in his own right. Um, but, you know, Dusty was was booking the show at that time, and I think Dustin uh, got fired from WCW also for, for blading when he wasn't supposed to or something stupid like that. So... Uh, he reinvents himself with the WWF as Gold Dust, which is uh, 180 degrees different than anything Dusty Rhodes ever did. But uh, it gets some attention. It gets some uh, main events. He had that backlot brawl with Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 12. Um, he went on to win the Intercontinental Championship three times. Um, he had a a slew of runs in WWF, like five, six, or seven. And um, he wound up uh, tagging with his brother Cody and also Booker T winning tag belts. Uh, just always a great hand in the ring. I think very underrated. And then of course uh, there's there's Cody who's who's been the topic of much conversation lately in the wrestling world. Um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Cody won the tag belts with Dustin. Um, also won the Intercontinental Belt a couple times. Also teamed with Ted DiBiase's son. Ted Jr., Drew McIntyre, and, and Bob Holly. So he had a he had a good run in WWE. Uh, eventually, he became Stardust, uh, playing off his brother's gimmick. Uh, got tired of that. Uh, wound up working in Japan, I think, for a while, and then uh, with uh, Kenny Omega and uh, and the uh, Young Bucks uh, put the All Out show together, and AEW was formed, and he was one of the founding fathers of AEW. Uh, won three TNT titles while he was there um, and uh, was one of the cornerstones uh, presenting a viable alternative to uh, to the WWE for the first time in, in years. Uh, now he made the jump back and he's, he's looking for that elusive gold that Dustin and Dusty never won. Um, the big one, the WWE title. So We'll see where that goes, but uh, a lot of titles, a lot of accomplishments. But one reason I had him high too was behind the scenes. Uh, they had done a lot of things. I, I mentioned Dusty with his uh, booking for WCW. Um, did a lot of did a lot of that. 
Dustin uh, works behind the scenes in AEW with the women's division, trying to build that up. And, of course, we mentioned Cody and his administrative duties in AEW. So uh, the roads have given a lot of great matches, won a lot of titles, and given a lot back to the business uh, behind the curtain as well. So that's why I had him at, at number four. Nice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. How about you, Bob? You had uh, the roads at number five on your list. What do you have to say about him? I mean, Adam Adam had it all on the head when he was talking about him. I mean, Dusty's one of the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest talkers of all time. I mean, he, he mentioned how he was uh, one of the big bookers, um, you know, and all the stuff he did with NXT, too. You know, the promo classes and stuff that he would teach over there. Uh, even the help he did with ECW towards the end of uh, ECW when it was still ECW. Um, you know, the matches he had with Steve Carino and stuff like that. Dustin's probably one of the best mid-carders to ever come around. You know, like he always was that upper, never reaching that full, full upper level, but he was like always at the top of that middle level. Um, you know, Marlena, his wife, um, you know, great manager. Um, you know, Alexander York for the York Foundation and WCW, if you remember her doing that. Um, you got Cody, like you, Adam said, you know, what he did with creating AEW, being one of the founders of that. Um, Brandy Rhodes is his wife, all the stuff that she does behind the scenes. Um, even, even Dusty's family, Dusty's wife had two, two sisters. Uh, one of the sisters married Jerry Sags uh, the, from the Nasty Boys. So that's, uh, you know, their uncle. And then the other one, the other sister married uh, Fred Ottman, which is Typhoon slash the Shockmaster. So, you know, those are uh, legit uncles for, for Goldust and uh, and Stardust. Or they should have named them Seven and Eight. Remember when he did the Seven character? <laughs> that would have been a great gimmick to bring back. But, yeah, I mean, the lineage through marriage. The lineage through marriage still goes on, too. So it's uh, that's a great wrestling family. I didn't know about Tugboat and Sags. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the Rhodes family definitely, uh, you know, one of the great families in the history of the wrestling business. Dusty, you know, Dusty's Dusty, man. He was, you know, NWA champ, uh, you know, Florida champ. He was the, the American dream, baby. He was one of the the top guys of the 70s and 80s. He, you know, he he was just magic on the mic. He was magic in the ring, you know. Nobody would expect that a guy who physically looked like him would be able to do what they do what he was able to do in the ring, but god damn it, he proved that he could. And then he had Dustin, who um just as his ring name applied, he was the natural. He was a natural natural talent in the ring, man. He you know, tall, muscular, you know, first when he first broke in, he was definitely like Bob said, like just top of the mid card guy. And then he goes, what I really give Dustin, you know, his props for was when he goes over to WWF and becomes gold dust, you know, such a bizarre gimmick, but he makes it work. Mm-hmm. You know, he made that thing work to the point where he was gold dust for like, what? Almost 20 years. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he just made that character viable in, in, lesser hands gold dust would not have worked at all and you could say the same thing for dusty when they put him in the polka dots dusty got the polka dots over you know dustin got gold dust over and then you get you get to cody 
when they do the Stardust thing, and while it was not widely embraced by any means, Cody actually kind of got that Stardust thing over with a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty big portion of the crowd. You know, even I, you know, kind of softened on Gold Dust or on Stardust after a little bit because Cody just was that charismatic with it. But you know, he got sick of it, like Adam said, and he wanted to leave and. History's history. Now he's back and he's the American nightmare. He's, you know, definitely reshaped himself to be one of the biggest names in wrestling himself. You know, that Rhodes family, they were just very innovative. And like I said, they could take the littlest thing and just make it into gold. That's their superpower, the Rhodes family. So, yeah, definitely agree. They are one. Of, they are deserving to be in our top in our top three here at number three with 19 points. It is the Rhodes family. All right, let's get to number two on our list. Number two on our list comes in with 27 points and they got the 27 points because they were a unanimous number two on all three of our lists. All of us had them at number two on our list. It is Calgary, Alberta zone. The Hart family coming in at number two on our list with 27 points. Uh, Bob, let's start with you this time. Tell us about the Hart family. Uh, the Hart family, uh, the dynasty. It, uh, like we mentioned earlier with the Von Erics, Fritz was the main guy here. Um, Stu Hart. Uh, Stu Hart did it all, man. Just a wrestler, booker, promoter. Uh, ran Stampede Wrestling, which was one of the big major companies out in Canada. Um, trained professional wrestlers. I mean, a who's who of fantastic, actual, legit Canadian wrestlers went through the dungeon, as they would call it, uh, in Stu Hart's house. You know, Lance Storm, Chris Jericho, you, you, you just, you, you name a fantastic wrestler. I'm sure they've been through that, the dungeon. Um, you know, just, uh, uh, he'll go down as a trailblazer in, in professional wrestling history. And, um, had a very large family. Um, you know, we start off with, with, with Smith Hart, um, one of Adam's favorites. Uh, he, he was big in stampede wrestling. He was big in, uh, the worldwide, uh, council, world wrestling council out in Puerto Rico. Uh, he has two sons, Michael and Matthew, who are currently now training to be wrestlers as well. Uh, Tony's favorite was Bruce Hart. He, uh, he was also a wrestler, promoter, booker, um, they, they did a lot of this out in Stampede. They, you know, each family member pretty much wrestled, promoted, booked out in Stampede. So you had Bruce, um, Keith Hart was another one who was big in Stampede wrestling. Um, Wayne was another one who wrestled, but he was mostly a referee out, out in Stampede. You had, uh, Dean Hart, who was a wrestler and a referee. Uh, he died young. He had kidney failure. He was the most handsome of the hearts, as Brett will always tell you that he was. Um, Ellie Hart was the first daughter, and Ellie is known for being the mother of Natalia. Uh, she married Jim the Anvil Nightheart, and um, you know she she her daughter is uh, Natty Nightheart, who uh, is married to also wrestler Tyson Kidd. Uh, you have Brett, who's one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Um, you know, that man's just done it all. Uh, you know, WCW champion, WWE champion, Royal one, Royal Rumble winner, King of the Ring, you know, just one of the best to ever do it. Like he would always say with his mantra, 
You had uh, Ross Hart, who, again, was a wrestler, a trainer, promoter, booker out in Stampede. Uh, sister Diana Hart, who married the British Bulldog. Um, and they all, she's also the mother of Harry Smith Jr., who uh, was in the Hart Dynasty and now was big in Japan for a while. And then, uh, last but not least, we had Owen, um, you know, who was another just amazing performer, just like Brett, you know, uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, USWA Champion, uh, Intercontinental Tag, 94 King of the Ring. You know, Owen was one of the best to ever do it as well. Uh, Georgia Hart was the mother of Teddy Hart, who is the um, the fuck up of the family, <laughs> as, as you put it nicely. And, and then uh, when, when Brett was married to, to his first wife, uh, his wife's sister married the Dynamite Kid, uh, you know, who was the other half of the British Bulldogs. So he was married through family there. And earlier you mentioned Roddy Piper being a part. Um, you know, so th- this is just a wrestling dynasty that goes from top to bottom, you know, um, Stu, like I said, the, the patriarch and Brett, no one are the two that stood out and, you know, uh, the Bulldogs who were one of the best tag teams as well. So it's just, it's just, yeah, they, they deserve to be in, in, in the top three of any wrestling family history, uh, you know, any list that comes out. So yeah, the hearts definitely stand out. Yeah, I mean, the hearts were Stampede Wrestling. It was Stu's baby, you know, and just Stu, you know, having the background he did and then, you know, like I said, having a large family and, you know, all the boys became wrestlers and all the women or all the girls married wrestlers. It was just a big wrestling family, and, and you know, just unheard of. And, of course, you know, the biggest name to come out of all the kids, of course, was Smith. And- <laughs> Uh, just kidding just kidding um you know the the older boys of course helped Stu a lot in the stampede territory they were really big in that in that territory but it was the you know two of the youngest ones brett and owen who were the ones who really broke out from that family and made a, a global impact when it came to wrestling but just that family as a whole, man, it's just a wonder that just from one family, they could have that big of a, of a footprint in the sport of professional wrestling. It really is. So yeah, that's why I had the hearts at number two on my list. Uh, Adam, you also had the hearts at number two on your list. What do you have to say about them? Yeah. Um, is that movie that's out with Mark Wahlberg, uncle Stu about Stu Hart? Of course. Who else? I was, I was wondering. I, I can't help it. Whenever I hear the name Stu, I think it's Stu Hart immediately. Um, yeah, uh, you guys ran down the family really well and on all the accomplishments. Uh, you know, I'm always making references to uh, wrestling with shadows. Um, I but there's a reason I, I love that documentary. It's 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 you know if anyone wants to know about the Hart family, it's a fascinating. Uh, Thing to watch it, it, it goes in depth about their history and and you know uh, how they were brought up and how they were trained and how everything came to be and everything um you swear out you could swear to god all you want hunter knew that was coming <laughs> oh shit i just try not to laugh ah oh, but uh yeah uh it's 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 really interesting, um, and yeah, the Stampede was like the Canadian version of world class. 
and um, but uh, some of the kids broke away and, and became legends in the WWE. And uh, I thought it was a really cool thing that the dynasty got to continue, uh, albeit briefly with the Hart dynasty. Um, unfortunately, the Von Erichs and, and the Hearts have in common. Uh, there's the share, their share of tragedy there, obviously, too, with, uh, with what happened to Owen. And, and uh, you know, Jim Neidhart is now gone, and Davey Boy Smith is gone, Roddy Piper, you know, Dynamite, they're all no longer with us. Uh, so it's good that, you know, David Hart Smith is still doing it in Japan, as, as Bob mentioned, and, and Natalia has been in. WWE, it's got to be close to 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. Easily. They have 2007 down, so the kids are kids are still doing it, but it's it's just amazing um, that lineage and and just how much that family lived, breathed, and slept wrestling, and, and they still do. Um, again, you got FTR still making references to Bret Hart on, on Dynamite, and um, CM Punk sings, sung his praises uh, through the last pay-per-view. Um, they've just left an, an indelible mark. And, uh, you know, you guys ran down all the names. It's It makes your head spin thinking about how many guys are connected to the family. And, and as Bob mentioned, how many were trained. Um, you know, uh, excellence of execution, uh, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense when you're talking about Bret Hart and the Hart family. So. Uh, yeah, um, there's only one family that's I felt was just a little bit more decorated, and I'm yeah. sure it's going to be Hogan's family. <laughs> that's true, very true. All right, so there we go. At number two on our list with 27 points, it is the Hart family. All right, well that brings us to our number one pick. But before we get to number one. Like we do every week, let's get to our honorable mentions. Uh, like I said at the top of the of the broadcast here, uh, these honorable mentions are picks that didn't have enough points to make our top 10, but they did have enough points to at least garner a mention. All right, let's start off at number 11. Our first honorable mention pick comes in with number comes in with four points, and they got the four points from being Number nine on both Bob and Adam's list, it is the Rodriguez family coming in at number 11 with four points. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Tell us about the Rodriguez family. Well, it starts out with uh, one of the most famous wrestlers of all time, especially under a mask, uh, Mil Mascaris, um, who's a multi-time WWA champion, um, uh, won titles and LA and Mexico won titles in Japan and WA regional titles. Uh, his brother uh, Dos Caros was also champion in, in WWA, uh, also wrestled in Japan and Mexico, winning gold there. Uh, his son uh, is Alberto Del Rio, uh, who was a Royal Rumble winner, uh, four-time world champion WWE, uh, two-time U.S. champion, also won titles in triple a uh, sorry in impact uh his brother and cousin are also competing uh currently uh i think alberto ran into some troubles with the law if i'm not mistaken that kind of killed his his momentum there but uh those are some big names uh especially uh coming out of mexico um 
and and uh, internationally too in in Japan. Uh, so that's a big lineage there. Uh, so I, I put them in my top ten. Mm-hmm. How about you, Bob? You also had him at number nine. Want to add anything for the Rodriguez family? Yeah, like uh, like Adam mentioned, you know, um, the three brothers. There was Psicodelico, which was uh, one of the strongest luchadors. Um, back in the day, he had amazing feuds with your boy Conan. Um, Mil Mascaras was the one that stood out the most, one of the greatest wrestlers in Lucha Libre history. And like Adam said, he was uh, one of the first international superstars to, you know, popularize Lucha Libre, like Adam said, in, in Japan. Um Dos Caras was his other brother, one of the greatest heavyweights to wrestle in Mexico. Um, you know, and like like Adam said, his son, Alberto De Rio. Um, we, we've gone through his his records in the past. Uh, you know, all the stuff he's done with AAA, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, uh, TNA Impact. You know, he's uh only man to be WWE, Impact, Global Force, AAA, CMLL, and World, uh, World Heavyweight Champion in each one of those companies. Um, you have uh, El Hijo de los Caras, which is uh, Del Rio's uh, brother, who worked for NXT as Memo Montenegro. Uh, he was a multi-champ and, uh, in Mexico, uh, multi-time champ in Mexico. And also uh, Psicodelico Jr. Is, uh, was wrestling for Billy Corgan's NWA uh, wrestling company recently. And now he's wrestling in the World Wrestling League uh, out in Mexico as well. So... Yeah, like Adam said, it's a, it's a great lineage there, especially when you know two of the top Mexican superstars of all time just happen to be your uncles, and you know Del Rio made a path for his own here in the WWE. So um, that's a hell of a wrestling family. Yeah, definitely, and that's why they come in at number eleven, our first honorable mention, with four points. It is the Rodriguez family. All right. Number 12 on our list, our second honorable mention, comes in with three and a half points. And they got the three and a half points from being an honorable mention on Adam's list. And they were number eight on my list. It is the Pafo family coming in at number 12 with three and a half points. Um, Yeah, the Pafos out of Downers Grove, Illinois. Uh, You had Angelo Pafo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, You had Angelo Pafo. Uh, the patriarch, um, you know, after he got out of World War II, he started training as a wrestler, uh, worked in the NWA out of the Chicago area, and, um, you know, was in a bunch of tag teams, was a was a tag team champ here and there, and uh, definitely made a name for himself, one of the top heels in the territory. Um, and then he would go and uh, start his own uh, wrestling promotion, the IWA. What was it the IWF or IWC? Um, yeah, the I- ICW, I'm sorry, International Championship Wrestling, which he ran out of Kentucky from 1979 to 1983. And he did that with the help of his two sons. First, there was Lanny, uh, who we knew as uh, both Leap and Lanny Pafo, the uh, frisbee tossing, poetry reading uh, wrestler who would eventually go on to become the genius. Um, who was a heel manager slash wrestler himself. But most notably, it was his son, Randy. Randy Pafo, better known as the Macho Man, Randy Savage, uh, would help his father run that territory until the Macho Man got so big that he was uh, courted by Vince McMahon himself and was brought into the WWF back in the early 80s. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, Angelo, he was, you know, he, he made a name for himself, but he was, you know, kind of just a territory guy. Didn't really get all that big. Uh, Lanny, Lanny had a career because of his brother, <laughs> really. Uh, he was talented in, in and of itself. He was definitely a good athlete, um, but he just didn't really have the the personality to really um, kind of really take hold, really connect with the fans. It was Randy, you know, Randy Savage, who would go on to become, you know, the the icon out of that family. But, you know, for two for a dad and his two sons, they 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 made a really big impact in the wrestling business. So that's why I had them uh, at number eight on my list. Uh, Adam, you had them as an honorable mention. What do you have to say about the Pafos? My first thing is, if if you're going to have a wrestling family, definitely name one of your kids Randy, because that seems to be the name that shoots to the top. So, yeah, right. Food for thought there. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Randy is, is the jewel of the family. Um, you, you mentioned... Uh, Angelo starting out uh, was primarily a tag team wrestler. He actually won a tag belt with uh, with Lanny, um, and uh, Lanny actually also won tag belts. I, I could believe this with Bobby Eaton um, in NWA Mid America. Uh, well, Bobby Eaton made anybody look good, exactly. Uh, so yeah. Um, Again, as you mentioned, Lanny was athletic, I guess, when he was leaping. Lanny was a little more over. That was before my time. I was not a fan of the genius at all. But, uh, yeah, Randy was Randy was the story there. Um, this one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time. Again, uh, he's been gone over a decade. People are still singing his praises, and his matches will forever live on in, in that character. Um one of the coolest things I think about Randy is, you know, when he went to WCW, uh, he got his brother a contract. And as memory serves, uh, Lanny wrestled for WCW either once or twice in all that time. Uh, so having your brother's back, what a cool thing. It's like, yeah, I'll come over here, but you got to pay my brother to sit at home. You know, <laughs> what an awesome brother, right? You know, so yeah. uh, obviously they were close and, uh, they made they made their footprint in, in uh, wrestling, so yeah, definitely worth talking about. All right, well there we go. At number twelve, our second honorable mention, it is the Pafo family coming in with three and a half points. All right, let's get to number thirteen. Our third honorable mention comes in with one and a half points, and they got the one and a half points from being a universal honorable mention on all three of our lists. Out of Puerto Rico. It is the Cologne family coming in at number 13 with one and a half points. Bob, let's have you. What do you have to say about the Cologne family? Um, there was Carlos Cologne. Uh, he had two sons. There was uh, Carly and Eddie, and then the nephew Orlando, who uh, made it into the wrestling business. Uh, Carlos Cologne, I mentioned earlier, owner of a Puerto Rican wrestling promotion, which was World Wrestling Council. Um, he ran that place, 26-time world champion, uh, even won the NWA world champion from, uh, from championship belt from Ric Flair in 1988, or 83, I'm sorry, and uh, it was never recognized, but he, he won the title while he was out there. Um, legendary feud with Abdullah the Butcher, um, you know, those guys just shed blood everywhere they went, he even appeared in the 1993 Royal Rumble. 
son Carly was known as uh, Carlito. Uh, again, he was big in the World Wrestling Council for a while. Won the belt 17 times over there and showed up in 2003 defeating John Cena for the U.S. belt in his first match on SmackDown. Uh, would also be RVD, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, feud with uh, Ric Flair. Um, and then he became a tag team with his brother, um, Eddie, who uh, we knew him as uh, Primo Cologne. And um, they won the tag titles from the amazing team of uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Oh, yeah. um, and they also beat the Miz and Morrison for the title. So they were the first team to ever unify both Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. Um, like I mentioned, Eddie, Eddie Cologne, uh, was Primo Cologne. You know, he came over to SmackDown at that time in 2008 and then Carlito ended up, uh, leaving the company. Uh, so then their cousin who was Orlando, we know him as Epico Cologne. Uh, he ended up tagging with uh, Primo and what they did with them was, uh, they ended up turning them into Los Matadors. If you remember, uh, they, that was an amazing uh, Diego and Fernando, I believe their name was, where they were Spanish bullfighters tag team. With El Torito. El, El Torito. And then from there, they repackaged them as the Shining Stars. Remember where they were like <laughs> con men trying to uh, sell tickets to Puerto Rico to go see them? Yeah, they were like timeshare salesmen or some shit. Exactly. I don't know. exactly. So, yeah, they, they both recently got cut back in uh, 2020 during the pandemic and stuff. But. Uh, that's another one where the lineage goes far back to uh, Carlos, you know, one of the main ones. They, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame um, for the WWE. But, yeah, that's that's a good wrestling family there, too. Yeah, yeah, the Colognes. They were, you know, the, they were the top thing in Puerto Rico. And, you know, they, they made a little bit of an impact here, like I said, mostly through WWE. But, you know, I think Carlito had the had the biggest impact mm-hmm. uh, over here as far as the Cologne family. Um, you know, but Carlos Cologne is, you know, as far as Puerto Rico goes, he's he's a, he's a national treasure, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Primo Nepco, not so much, but yeah. you know, <laughs> still got Carlito, still got Carlos. You know, the Cologne family definitely uh, deserves some mention. Uh, Adam, you want to add anything when it comes to the Colognes? That's not cool what you said about Primo Nepco. No, I'm sorry. Don't cool. spit. Don't don't spit apples in my face, please. Yeah, I wish I had one. Um, yeah. No, uh, yeah, you guys are you guys are right on. Uh, I remember seeing Carlos Colon's name in wrestling magazines also, and um, seeing him as a multi-time champion. So I thought it was cool to see him in the Royal Rumble. He's in. I think he was in the '93, and I want to say '97 one also, where they brought in a lot of uh, a lot of folks because uh, the roster is kind of thin. So it's cool to see him there too. But yeah. Uh, icon uh wrestled a really long time and uh yeah his sons uh his sons came uh here and uh and did their thing and uh had a pretty decent uh uh pretty decent success uh carlito was it last year's royal rumble 2021 uh where he was an entrant mm-hmm. uh wound yeah. up not sticking around but he got a nice pop when he came back looked in good shape so um yeah they've been pretty well for themselves Yep. All right. So there we go. At number 13, our third honorable mention with one and a half points. It is the Cologne family. All right. Let's get to number 14. Our fourth honorable mention also comes in with one and a half points, uh, but they're lower because it came in on two of our lists as opposed to all three. Um, They were number 10 on my list and they were one of Bob's honorable mentions 
It is the Armstrong family coming in at number 14 with uh, one and a half points. Uh, yeah, the Armstrong family. Uh, of course, the patriarch is Bullet Bob Armstrong, one of the uh, the biggest wrestlers of the of the Southern Territories back in the '60s and '70s. He was a you know multi time champion uh, in the in that era. He uh, let me see here when it comes to his championships. He was NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion two times. Uh, you know NWA Champion. You know. Multiple, t- not the NWA champion, but the and Mid South champion. He was the Macon heavyweight champion three times. You know, all those different kind of territorial belts. Bullet Bob Armstrong had a collection of them. You know, when it comes to uh, the PWI, he was ranked number two seventy two on the top five hundred singles wrestlers of of uh, PWI in in nineteen ninety five, and he was ranked one hundred fifty fifth in two thousand and three which I think is pretty, you know, pretty spectacular considering how old he would have been in 2003. Um, Yeah, Bullet Bob Armstrong definitely was um, a legend in his era. And he had four sons who all became wrestlers. He had, uh, let's see here, he had Joseph, he had Brad, he had Scott, and... um, or I'm sorry, Scott. He had, he had Scott. He had Brad. He had Steve, and he had Brian. Um, Scott would go on to be a, a referee in the WWE. Brad had some notoriety in uh, in WCW. Had a few championships there, but unfortunately, he died a few years ago. Um, Steve didn't really have a lot of success. The, mo- the most successful of the Armstrong sons, of course, was Brian better known as the road dog, Jesse James, one of the new age outlaws. Uh, yeah, he was uh, definitely the biggest name out of all the Armstrong boys. But yeah, just a really cool lineage there from that one family. Um, the Armstrongs were definitely had their impact. Um, not, not quite as big, but, you know, just from the father being a legend in his own territory and just having his sons branch out, you know, it's kind of like a lesser version of the Guerreros. You know, I don't want to disrespect the Armstrongs, but that's kind of kind of how it played out. Um, but, yeah, that's why I had them in the top ten of my list. They definitely made an impact. Uh, Bob, you had the Armstrongs as an honorable mention. What do you have to say about them? Same thing, like you said, Bullet Bob was the one that stood out. I felt like they uh, they did a lot in the tag team scene. Like you mentioned, Brian, uh, the Road Dog, you know, with the New Age Outlaws uh, and the WWE and, and an Impact Wrestling. Uh, Steve, who you said didn't do a lot, Steve was uh, WCW, uh, the Southern Boys with Tracy Smothers, and then they became the Young Pistols, and they won the U.S. Uh, tag Championships over there. Um, like you said, Brad was a big person in the in, um, – he he became a arachnoman. Remember our boy mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And then uh, he he also was a buzzkill, which was like a spinoff of uh, his brother's gimmick out in WWE as the Road Dog. And then, like you said, Scott was the one that uh, became the referee, and uh, you know he called a lot of WrestleMania matches that were big and important. He just got released recently as well. So, um, you know, they, they it, it was a big family, like you mentioned. Um, to me, the grow family was more important like uh mm-hmm. you know, as i agree with you but definitely not a knock on the armstrong family yeah so we go at number four 
with one and a half points. It is, or at number 14, with one and a half points, our fourth honorable mention. It is the Armstrong family. All right, let's get to number 15, our last honorable mention. Hey, Bob. No ties. That's too late. (laughs) (laughs) For old time's sake, I included a tie here at our last honorable mention. Uh, we'll, We'll get through them quick. Let's get to our first tie here, each coming in with one point. The first one is got its one point from being an honorable mention on both my list and Adam's list. It is the Henning family coming in at number 15, tied with one point. Adam, let's start with you. Tell us about the Henning family. Now you're going to see a perfect plex. Uh, the Henning family started uh, with Larry, uh, Larry the Axe Henning. Uh, he was a AWA competitor, I'm going to say, in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he won uh, multiple tag belts, one with a young Harley race, uh, another in the Pacific Northwest Territory with his son, Kurt. Kurt, of course, uh, is, came on later to be known as Mr. Perfect in the WWE, uh, started out as AWA world champ and tag champ with the late Scott Hall, uh, wound up in the WWE, won two icy belts, uh, one of the best workers, I think, of all time. I think Shawn Michaels, uh, he's he's of that quality of just being Ric Flair, being able to put on a great match with anybody. Uh, moved on to WCW later on, won the U.S. title and, and the tag belts there. Um, again, uh, came back to the WWE, still looked great, still could work, but his demons sadly got the best of him. And he passed away in the early 2000s. His son, Kurt, uh, Joe um, Henning, uh, became Curtis Axel later on, uh, winning titles in Florida, um, then went to the WWE and became an IC champ and a tag team champ with uh, the aforementioned Bo Dallas, uh, Mike Rotunda's son. So a lot of generational, uh, that was a big generational time when a lot of wrestlers' sons were in there. But, uh, yeah, all three uh, had, had pretty decent success, and it's a, it's a very reputable name uh, to this day. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's Larry the Axe def- definitely was a big guy in his day, uh, feuded notably with uh, Vern Gagne in the, in the AWA. Kurt Henning, of course, was the, the crown of that family better known as Mr. Perfect. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about Kurt Henning countless times on the show. Definitely one of the top wrestlers of his era. Curtis Axel, you know, didn't really, uh, didn't really pan out, but he had a little bit of a run there, you know, nothing to be yeah. ashamed of. Uh, yeah. The Henning family definitely, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I gave, put him as an honorable mention on my list. Wouldn't have put him in my top ten, but they did. You know, they did have enough of an impact, I think, to at least garner a mention. So, yeah, I think they're they're at where they should be at number fifteen. Our fifth honorable mention tied with one point with this other wrestling family. Uh, they got their one point from being an honorable mention on my list and on Bob's list. It is the Vashan family coming in with one point. Bob, you had the Vashans as an honorable mention on your list. What do you have to say about them? So the Vashans were Maurice, Paul, Vivian, and Luna Vashan. Um, 
We have Maurice, who is the Mad Dog, um, 1950 gold medalist in wrestling and the British Empire gold medals. Uh, one of the all-time great heels in the AWA, um, five-time AWA heavyweight champ, also was a 2010 WWE Hall of Famer. His brother was uh, Paul the Butcher Vachon, who also wrestled in the AWA, WWE, NWA. He was tag champs with his brother Mad Dog in the AWA, and he ended up adopting uh, Luna Vachon, um, and who Luna was one of the best female wrestlers there in WWE, ECW, AWA, WCW. She was someone that was beyond way before her time when it came to women's wrestling. You know, she was just amazing at what she did. A fantastic uh, heel women's wrestler. Uh, She made the WWE Hall of Fame in in 2019. She was USWA women's champ. Um, At one time she was married to a gangrel who was also in the WWE. And then you have Aunt Vivian, who was the sister of Maurice and Paul. And Vivian was one of the best female wrestlers in the 1970s. Um, She also was AWA women's champ and NWA Texas women's champ. So, I mean, that's also another fantastic, um, you know, wrestling uh, family there. Just, you know, Paul and, and Mad Dog and, and Vivian. And then you you throw Luna in there as well. It's just that that's wrestling royalty as well. Yeah, the Vashans definitely had had their impact. You know, like I said, Mad Dog and the Butcher, you know, great tag team, great uh, great wrestlers in their own right, especially in the 70s there in their era. And as you said, Luna definitely ahead of her time. She was uh adopted daughter of the Butcher, um, but definitely, you know, definitely one of the Vashans. Uh, had a great pedigree. And, um, yeah, the Vashans definitely had their impact. I agree with you. That's why I had them as an honorable mention on my list, too. And that's why they come in with their one point. Tied with the Hennigs is the Vashan family at number 15, our last honorable mention. All right. That means we got to our number one pick here, folks. Our number one overall comes in with 30 points, and that is because they are a universal unanimous number one pick. They were the number one pick on all three of our lists. It is the Anawaii family coming in at number one with 30 points. Adam, let's start with you. What do you have to say about the Anawaii family? This is the one that made my head hurt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I have a big paragraph here. I'll try to condense it as best I can. Uh, we will start off with brothers Afa and Sika, who were known as the Wild Samoans. Wild they won 21 tag titles total on their career, including three in the WWF. Um, again, this is going to be probably all across the board, but I'll do my best. They had a nephew, um, the Tonga kid, who uh, 80s wrestling fans remembered teaming up with Haku as the Islanders and uh, was the older brother of uh, later WWE superstar Umaga, which I'll get back to. Uh, the Samoan SWAT team came along, uh, Afa's son Samu and his nephew Fatu. Uh, they won WWF tag titles, uh, also world-class tag titles in Puerto Rico. So they, they had, uh, had their share of success as well. 
Um, after that team split up, we all know Fatu uh, became one of our favorite characters. He, he was going to make a difference. Uh, <laughs> and for some reason, he didn't. So he wound up becoming Rikishi, uh, who won the Intercontinental Belt and the Tag Belts with, uh, with two of our favorites, Scotty Tuhati and Rico. But uh, Rikishi was mad over in the Attitude Era, uh, the stink face, the dancing in the ring, uh, hitting Austin with the car. He did it for the Rook, everybody. But uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Samu would later, uh, after the split, would team up with his cousin, Maddie, uh, who was also known as Rosie. Uh, he'd go on to team up with the Hurricane, win the tag belts. Um, another nephew of Afa's who would come in uh, with the head shrinkers was Rodney. Uh, you may know him better as the two-time WWE champion Yokozuna, one of the most dominant heel champions, uh, arguably, in WWE history. Um, the first ever Samoan world champion, as a matter of fact. Uh, Yokozuna also won the tag belts with uh, the late Owen Hart. Uh Okay, so let me just make sure I've got... So that's that's half the family. <laughs> then you had uh, Rosie, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, later came around with his cousin Eddie Fatu uh, in the uh, three-minute warning team. Uh, going back to Rikishi, uh, you know his sons very well as the Usos, who are the current... Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, uh, seven tag champions overall. They're part of the bloodline with their cousin, Roman Reigns, uh, the undisputed WWE World Champion, four world champions overall. Uh, also won the IC title, the U.S. belt, and the tag title with Seth Rollins. I don't want to leave out uh, Peter Maivia, who was dubbed uh, a blood brother, by Afan Sika's father. Uh, he was a wrestler. Uh, his grandson, you may have heard of him. Uh, his name's Dwayne Johnson. He's won eight WWE titles, Intercontinental titles, WCW titles, tag titles, and may run for president. Uh, all that uh, is my summary of the Anawai family, uh, three world champions in one family, uh, multiple tag team champions, legendary tag teams, memorable characters uh, from from top to bottom. Uh, I, I literally wrestle between this and the Hart family, but you cannot go wrong with three uh, decorated world champions. These weren't flash in the pans. Obviously, you've got The Rock, you've got Roman Reigns, and, and then you've got Yokozuna, who... Again, was kind of a, in my opinion, an underrated heel champion. He was he was unlike any uh, heel champion they had at that time. So that's why they earned uh, my number one spot. Just so decorated, so many memorable characters, so many. <laughs> yeah, isn't Nia Jax is part of the fold too? Isn't she? I believe so. I left that on my summary, but I think you're correct because yeah. she's she's like related. a cousin somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I had going into this, I kind of had the hearts pegged as my number one, but then I'm looking at the NOIE family and I'm like, there's just too fucking many of them, man. It's just, and not only is there a lot of them, they all had a significant impact mm -hmm. in the business. You know, there, it just the number of family members and how 
successful they all were in the business. It's it's undeniable. You have to put the Anoa'i family as number one. It's just they're they're the credentials just speak for themselves. Um, as much as I love Smith Hart, uh, it's nothing nothing that he has accomplished uh, even approaches the Anoa'i family. So, even though yeah. his wife would say it's bullshit, it's bullshit, Hunter. Um, Bob, you also had the Anoa'i family as number one on your list. What do you have to say about them? Yeah, the um, just trying to put it all together, like Adam said, was one of the hardest things. Um, you know, but but when you think about it, you got the Wild Samoans, and then you got the Head Shrinkers, um, La Smooth, who wrestled for ECW for a long time. Uh, you know, he he was one of them. Uh, Lloyd uh, was his name. Um, Monica was one of Afa's daughters. Uh, she married Gary Albright, who was one of the big wrestlers in Japan for the longest time. So he's a part of the family. Uh, Samu from the Head Shrinkers. Um, you know, his son is Lance Anoya, who wrestles for MLW, and he's becoming a bigger name lately. Um, then, what, like we said, Yokozuna. You had Jamal and Rosie, um, Roman Reigns, the Tonga Kid, Umaga, Rikishi. And then now you got the Usos. Jimmy's married to Naomi, who's a, you know, a big wrestling uh, women's wrestler right now, champion as well. And then um, Rocky Johnson came in through marriage as well. And, you know, he was a former tag team champion. Um, you know, The Rock, The Rock's daughter is wrestling for NXT now. You know, she's training. Uh, uh, Simone Johnson. So it's just the just the lineage keeps going on and on and on and on. It's just like, yeah. As much as you love the hearts, this one is just right there up there. And you know, like Adam said, the uh, the the championships and and the lineage that the, the comes with it is just undeniable that they deserve to be number one. Yeah. So there you go. At number one with thirty points, a unanimous number one. It is the Anawai family. All right. Well, there we go. That's our top 10 list. Before we go, like we do every week, let's go back from 10 to 1 and recap our list. At number 10, coming in with five points, it was the Orton family. At number 9, with eight points, it is the McMahon family. At number 8, with eight points, it is the Wyndham slash Rotunda family. At number seven, with 12 and a half points, it is the Von Erich family. At number six, with 13 and a half points, it is the Flair family. At number five, with 16 points, it is the Funk family. At number four, with 18 points, it is the Guerrero family. At number three, with 19 points, it is the Rhodes family. At number two, with 27 points, it is the Hart family. And as we just said, at number one with 30 points, it is the Anawai family. All right. There we go. Our top 10 wrestling families. Uh, how about what do you got to say about this, guys? Bob, how about you first? Do you think this is a fair representation of the top 10 wrestling families of all time? I do. I kind of took along the same route that you did where it was you wanted to have multiple family members involved it's like well people say well what about harlem heat you know booker t and stevie ray or the hardy boys but after them too there's really not much that goes on you know the steiner brothers now have Braun breaker you know but he's just fairly new in the game uh so it's i wanted to have people that had like a longer lineage i mean obviously you looked at the anoe family or the Hart family or the guerrero family that lineage was long um you know but like 
just uh, I, I took that same route, and I, I was I like after looking down at the list. I mean, you have a little bit of everything, you know, um, fathers, sons, brothers, sisters, grandparents. You know, uh, it goes from top to bottom. So uh, it, I, I like the list a lot, especially the the McMahon's at number nine. It's a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Adam? What was your thoughts on the list? Yeah, I think I think we nailed it pretty good. Um, there's nobody like missing, missing that I had on my list. That I'm like, oh, why, why aren't they there? Uh, I had the Steiners as an honorable mention, um, but yeah, um, again, you're kind of Braun is just breaking in. Ha ha ha. Um, you didn't get to the DBSCs either, um, but other than that, uh, uh, you know. You know, not, not as many titles there, so I can understand why they weren't there. But yeah, I think we hit the big ones, and uh, I was interested to see if we would be unanimous on our pick, or, or if uh, I knew it was going to be between on the wise or, or the hearts. So, um, uh, but I think we're all we're all great minds think alike uh, as far as that goes. So, yeah, this was this was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So there you go. Our top 10 wrestling families of all time. All right. Well, that's the show, everybody. But before we go, like we do every week, let's give you our match of the week picks. These are matches that we give you to watch in the meantime, in between time, before we come back at you with our next episode. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? I'm going to go old school and... um stick with our theme um i think i mentioned this one before but given the topic i think i think it's a good one to check out uh in your uh you'll have to watch on the network in your house 16 uh canadian stampede uh you don't have to watch the whole show because the opening match is the godwins versus the new black blackjacks i wouldn't recommend that match really to anybody um but uh the main event you've got the hart family uh bret hart Brian Pillman, uh, who trained with the Hearts, uh, British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, and Owen Hart against the Road Warriors, Ken Shamrock, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, and a very hot, rising Steve Austin. Um, you want to see the Hart family. It was like a tribute to the Hearts. Uh, they, they, they were all in attendance. They were all honored. Uh, they got a huge ovation just to watch. It, it was like you were... You know, the thing I can liken it to is a Bulls fan when you'd get up for that starting five back in the day during the Michael Jordan era. That's what it was like introducing all the members of that family. Uh, they all celebrate in the ring afterwards. People were coming in the ring with the family, weren't part of the family. Everyone was so excited. If you read Bret Hart's book, they were just having honorary Hart kids in, in the ring. It was just uh, a really, really cool moment it was a fun match the crowd was just super super hot and again austin was really coming into his own and in the midst with this feud with brett and owen and uh just a lot of fun to watch nice how about you bob what's your match of the week pick this week uh i'm gonna go with uh the match i mentioned earlier with minoru suzuki and tomohiro ishii um that was just such a fun match to watch um I know you'll enjoy this one. There there was a sign that someone held up from the crowd that said, uh, murder grandpa for mayor. Uh, I took nice. it to send it to you. I'll send it to you tomorrow. Um, so hopefully they zoom in on that during the match. But it, it was just so much fun. Um, just 
constant. There, there were so many like standing ovations for both of them during the match. So uh, check that out from this uh, New Japan Windy City Riot show this past weekend. Nice. All right. Well, my match of the week uh, comes from last week's episode of Dynamite. It was the match between CM Punk and Penta. Uh, this was a match that they uh, advertised uh, kind of late in the game. Um, I think like a day or two before uh, Dynamite was to go on. And when I saw initially, I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was like, man, that, that that's kind of a contrast in styles. I wonder how that's going to go. It worked out perfectly, man. Uh, you know, Penta and uh, Punk worked really well in the ring together. Um, I, li- I like the storytelling that they had in there. Um, Penta gave Punk all he could, but in the end, uh, Punk hits the GTS on Penta, wins the match. They're starting to go with Punk, uh, pressuring to get uh, his run as a, at a shot at the championship with Hangman. It looks like um, so. Yeah, that was my that. That's my pick. Uh, the the other, you know, I, it was between that and the uh, the the death match between uh, Hangman and uh, Adam Cole. But for for whatever reason, that I mean, the Hangman Cole match was was really good. But you know, for whatever reason, I think it was just like the fresh, um, haven't seen it yet uh, pairing of Penta and Punk. They kind of put put it over on my on my uh list so that yeah that's my uh my match of the week pick this week so there you go all right well that's the show everybody we want to hear from you uh there's two ways to do that you can email us uh our email address is enhancement talent 316 at gmail.com that's enhancement talent 316 at gmail.com or you could do what Pretty much everybody else does go on the Facebook fan page. Uh, just go on Facebook, look up the enhancement talent, join the page. We're all admins. We'll interact with you. Whatever you post, we'll read. Um, yeah, especially during the tournament, I loved it with the whole fan vote interacting with and everything. Uh, I think I'm going to have an idea. I think maybe uh, once or twice a week, um, you know, I'm going to put a a poll question up there for everybody to to vote on just to keep things interactive. You guys are admins on the, on the, on the thing too. So you feel free to post any poll questions or whatever. If you have any ideas from, for it too, as well, just, uh, could we do a question like who's the second most talented heart after Smith? Of course. Yes. Which of course is, uh, is the late great Dean. Um, (laughs) Handsome. Yeah. Oh shit! All right, <laughs> put a picture of Teddy with Teddy with his cat, his hairless cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I okay, it. yeah, I just love it. Oh you'll, man, you'll get that kind of great content in our poll questions on the, the Facebook fan page. Oh shit! All right, well, that's the show for this week. <laughs> and for <laughs> for the the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kalavik, and for the other half of the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez, I'm Tony Lopez. We will talk to you guys next week. Have a safe and happy week. We'll talk to you then. See you later. See ya. <laughs>